أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد so we uh, everything was based on ma'rifah yaqeen and then from that came love and mahabba and hub and all of that so now we move on into tawakkul tawakkul is also i would say one of the natural outcomes and results of um of yaqeen person who has proper yaqeen will have proper tawakkul so what what is tawakkul and once again, just like last time, it doesn't mean that first comes yaqeen and then comes tawakkul. They might come simultaneously, but tawakkul will be the result of uh, yaqeen, I would say. So he says that tawakkul means to take a wakil for yourself. Well, what does a wakil do? Someone who's your agent. Why do you take an agent? Why do you get people to do stuff for you? Because they're better at it. Very simple. They are better at it. And so you take them as your wakil. That makes you their muwakil, they call it. Okay. So this person who is your wakil is going to be in charge of and responsible for taking care of something that you're not an expert in. So 2 plus 2 equals 4. Because if I have yaqeen that, you know, all the things that we talked about before that we have yaqeen of, when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how great He is, then doesn't it just make sense to make him the wakil? Yes, and so that is what tawakkul is. Tawakkul means to take Allah as your wakil. Now, does this mean that we acknowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is at the top of the chain of cause and effect? That's it? Or is it more there's more to it than that? Uh, he over here, Ayatullah Jawadi, he points this out and very rightfully so. He says just acknowledging that Allah is at the top of the chain of cause and effect is not going to be enough for this, for you to take him as your true wakil. It's not enough for you to say, oh Allah, I know you're sitting at the top and that you um, are the most important element in this whole thing. It's more than that. He says that plus acknowledging the lack of independence of myself and other causes as well. Sometimes you have um, you have different elements that make something up. One of them is bigger. One is one of them is more significant, and so this one next to the others is bigger. So that means the others are also big. The others also exist. But he says no. It's not like that. It's not like Allah is there and also my boss, also the doctor, also this, also that. It is to come to this realization, and it's going to be easy to come to this realization if a person has the yaqeen that we've talked about again and again before, to come to this realization that he's at the top of the chain, as a matter of fact, is as if, it's as if there is no chain to begin with. Okay, Everything else is dependent on him at the top. Not that he's at the top and then the others also have an independent um, say in things. No. I am totally dependent. All other causes... Of things that happen throughout my life are also dependent. He is the only independent cause. And so he brings a ton of verses here for this because tawakkul is something you find a lot in the Quran. They're always talking about it. For example, it says, Kadalika Allahu yaf'alu ma yasha. So he's bringing these verses to show 
This is the one that we're supposed to put our trust in and take as our wakil, the one who takes care of our affairs. Of course, it doesn't mean that we don't do our part in this life, something that we already know. We also have to carry out our duty and responsibility. But when it comes to tadbir and running things and certain results being yielded from what we do, that's not in our hands. So why not just make him the wakil and say, hey Allah, you're the one in charge to the point where even if I'm doing what I'm doing, it's not like this is independent in its effect on the on the ultimate outcome of things, but rather it all goes back to you. Which means, and it is thus that, and it is like this, that Allah does whatever He wants and wishes. Okay, well, if He's the one who does whatever He wants and wishes, the rest are not like that, then better to have Him in charge of things. Another verse, Allah does what He pleases, what He has irada of. Whoever puts their trust in Allah, Allah Allah will be enough for them and will suffice. Allah is going to make sure what that, that which He wants is going to eventually take place. Now someone might say, oh, that goes against free will, whatever he wants. These uh, have been answered. These types of questions have been answered. Allah does whatever he wants, except for the part where it has to do with our actions. Everything else is going to be what he wants. I'm not sure if it's qadaran or qadran. Anyway, Allah has given a measurement and an amount and a threshold to everything. So everything is going as planned, so to speak, the way he wants it. If that's the case, then why not rely on him as well? You know, it's easy to sit up here and actually say that. But when the time comes, are we actually going to do that? I don't know about you all, but for me, usually I'll fail this. Allah will pass his verdict the way he wants to. He issues his hukum. The way he wants. Alright, so why not put our trust in him then? There's no repeal to his verdict, to his rule, to his judgment, what he wants to happen. These are all different verses. Turn away from them. Don't worry about it. Put your trust in Allah. He will suffice as a wakil and agent for you. Or this next one, I like the way it, it's worded. It says, Why should we why should we not put our reliance in Allah? While He's the one who's guided us to whatever paths we're on. And if anyone is going to rely on Allah, or, or is any if anyone is going to rely on anyone, they should rely on Allah. Why why anybody else? See how many verses we have. <laughs> the one who rejects taghut, turns away from it, and believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this person verily has clung to the tight, or not tight, but the strong rope of Allah, which has no breakage. It will never break. So why not cling to that? 
other than other things are gonna are, other things will break not only will they break that's the that's the wrong word to use for it even they're not gonna break do we say to a spider web it broke about a spider web if it break if it if something like goes if we put our hand into a spider web and it messes it up we say it broke the spider web we don't say that right because something breaks that has some strength to it but how weak is the spider web and that's why in this verse it says when you cling on to someone else or something else you know what you're actually cling, clinging on to it's like you're clinging on to a spider web the same way this spider weaves its web and thinks that okay this is it you know i have i have a home now while this home can't really protect it too much those who cling to other than Allah and take other than Allah as their guardians and wali, what happens? It is like the spider that has taken a home for itself while the weakest of all homes is the home of the spider if only they knew. Okay, so Tawakkul means to take a wakil. We take a wakil because he's better than us. She's better than us in what they do. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with the yaqeen we have, we know he's the best to rely on. The one that will not disappoint in the short run or the long run. And these are a ton of verses that back that up. Now, someone will say, but at the end of the day, we've been brought into this life. In this life, it's all about cause and effect. And so, where does that fall in all of this? Relying on normal causes. Is there no tawakkul there? What are we supposed to do exactly? Are we supposed to try our best and then when we can't figure it out, have tawakkul in Allah? You know, we have this sometimes, uh, you know, back back in the house, we would kid around about this. We would say, man, I'm so stuck in this issue. Like now I have no choice but to rely on God. In other words, before this, it was in my own hands. But now that I can't figure it out, I'm going to rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's exactly what he's pointing out here. He's saying that, look, just because there is this idea and notion of tawakkul and taking him as your wakil, it doesn't mean that this only happens when you can't figure out the asbab of things. You cannot figure out the causality between things. What is going to get you to this destination? What is going to resolve this problem for you? For example, he gives an example. He says, look, some people might say we have in the Quran when it comes to protecting the lands of the Muslims prepare yourselves militarily yes and be ready so that your enemies can't get the best of you take advantage of your vulnerability and ambush you someone says okay so that's what we're going to do we're going to try our best over there but then when we can't Stand up against the enemy or figure things out. Then we're going to have tawakkul. No. He says even where? Those places where we know exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And this is this is what it means to understand that when it comes to the, the chain of cause and effect, to acknowledge that all of those intermediary causes, they are all dependent in, their, in the effect that they contribute to the final outcome of things. To understand that, to acknowledge that. And this only comes with yaqeen, as I've said. So he says, tawakkul, just like dua and tawassul and all of that, these are it, they don't have anything to do with, they're not outside of the scope of causality, actually. 
Okay, tawakkul is part of kaza. Even when the cause is there, everything is set. Still, you're supposed to have the same tawakkul that you would have if you have no way to figure it out and you've jumped off the 40th story of a building because of a fire and you had no way except outside the window to jump out the window. Even there, there you have tawakkul because you can't figure it out. Versus when you're sitting behind the steering wheel and the destination is a mile away and you're headed there with no traffic and you know you're going to get there anyway, quote unquote. Even there you're supposed to have tawakkul. They're both the same. And so he brings this example, this famous uh, uh, hadith uh, that says, which means tie your camel and have tawakkul. He says this doesn't mean that uh, your job, your part, the part that you can have an effect through is to tie the, the, the knee of the, or the, to the, the, the legs of the camel. Uh, and then when there is no one around to do this, that's when you have to do tawakkul in Allah. It's not either or. He's saying this really means in reality means which means tie the, tie the camel while you're also doing tawakkul in Allah. Okay, There's, these are two different things. Sometimes you say tie it and have tawakkul. This might for some mean that, okay, it's either this or this. I'm going to tie my camel, so I don't need to do tawakkul here. Or if I'm not tying my camel, I'm going to have tawakkul. He says, no, it's not either or. It's i'qil mutawakkilan, both together. That is the hard part for all of us. The hard part is to have this understanding. I think those who, in addition to, of course, the wajib and haram and constant obedience of Allah, I personally think those who have a very tight relationship with the Qur'an, it'll be hard for them not to have Allah in every equation of their lives. This is why the Qur'an is so important. You know, the book that God sent down to his Prophet that book, yeah, that one. the one that, yeah, usually we don't study too much. It's not, it's not even about studying it, brothers and sisters. It's about constantly just reciting it. Because again and again, all of these themes are coming there. The Imams, when they speak, they use these examples of the Qur'an. They use the themes that are therein to, uh, to teach us. And so it's recurring again and again. When you keep seeing this line, eventually you, you believe that Allah is part of the equation in everything. So there's a difference between, according to Ayatollah Jawadi, between اِعْقِلْ رَاحِلَتَكْ وَتَوَكَّلْ Versus There's a big difference between these two, he says. And then when the tawakkul comes, a lot of good things come with it. Inna Allah yuhibbul mutawakkilin. Allah loves those who have tawakkul in him. That if I put my tawakkul in him, then he's going to be enough for me. Kafa billahi wakilan. Some of these verses that we already covered. When I put my when I rely on Allah or on Allah, I'm going to get two things out of this. Izzah and Hikmah from Allah. Allah is the Almighty. When I rely on Him, that means there is no defeat. Hakim and Hikmah. What, when, I put, when I rely on Him, really I trust in Him. Not that I trust in Him as long as what happens makes sense to me. No. And once again, it's easy for me to sit up here and say this. Okay? I'm also part of the problem. But... 
this is apparently according to what these greats say, according to what the Quran says, this is what it's supposed to be. That I tawakkul, when I have tawakkul in him, I have to acknowledge whatever the outcome is, is in line with Allah's hikmah. It's not going to be easy sometimes. I won't understand it sometimes. As I said, it's easier said than done. But if you want to go by the books, that's what it's saying. And so then from here, he moves into something that I've noticed other scholars also bring up. He brings it up here too. He says that, and from all of the above, what can we get out of all of the above when we look at the culture we're in today? Now he says in the, in, in the West or the secular world, right? But even in the Islamic world right now, because unfortunately certain secular ideas are creeping in, and the people are adopting those as values. He says that this idea of, now in Farsi they say i'tamad binafs. We know what i'tamad means, right? I'tamad means to rely, to, to lean on something, rely on something. Binafs means on the nafs, on my self. He says this idea of self-confidence has no place Islamically. That which is always uh, emphasized, right? Right now, if you go out there, you'll see everyone's talking about being self-confident. It's all about you, etc., 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 correct? Here, he says, as a matter of fact, we don't have anything in our literature about this. I haven't, I haven't done an extensive you know, study into this or anything like that, but I, I don't remember any hadith saying that uh, the way that, you know, the way they're pushing it in this day and age of self-confidence is all about you, 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 you. You have what it takes. If what you mean by you have what it takes is Allah has placed in you what you need to accomplish things through His help, then okay, that's a good line. Okay? But if you have what it takes means you don't need anybody else. You don't need anybody or anything else. It's all about you. And you're like, well, what about God? They're like, we're not even talking about God right now. We're talking about you. Then we have a problem, he says. And he's right. Because we don't find once, at least in the Quran, I can't remember anywhere where it says, uh, it's all about you. Even when it is made about us, it is made about us while we are relying on Allah. All those, uh, like for example, كَمْ مِنْ فِئَةٍ قَلِيلَةٍ غَلَبَتْ فِئَةً كَثِيرَةً The Quran says, wow, so many cases where uh, a small group overpowered and overcame a big group. You're like, okay, so that's, Quran is saying they had what it takes, but then it says biithnillah. <laughs> okay, it brings Allah into the picture, and so many cases like this, so many examples like this, that it says you have what it takes because Allah is there. All right, so He says this whole idea of self-confidence. How can we say it? Of course, in this once again, in this day and age, we have to be a little careful what we say, who gets upset and offended by this. But let's move past and beyond terms and terminology. Let's see what is meant here. Self-confidence, I'm not going to say it's a bad thing, but if you're going to have self-confidence, why am I having self-confidence? Because it has to somehow translate to Allah confidence. That's what it should translate to. If it doesn't bring Allah into the picture, it's all about me and only me, then we have a problem. Why? Because in that famous dua or ta'qib of salat, uh, salat al-asr, is it? It says, I am the one who لا يملك لنفسه نفعا ولا ضرا ولا موتا ولا حياة ولا نشورا 
I'm absolutely nothing. I don't possess for myself benefit, harm, like even harm. I can't harm myself unless Allah allows it. Benefit, harm, death, life, and resurrection. None of this is in my hands. And then I'm going to say, I'm self-confident. I have what it takes. Yeah, I have what it takes if Allah is in the picture. Or else, if it's about me and only me, لا يملك لنفسه نفعاً ولا ضراً ولا موتاً ولا حياةً ولا نشوراً And these are just examples. The list goes on. ولا جمالاً Right? Uh, or I don't possess any beauty for myself, ugliness for myself. Nothing, nothing. And that's why Imam al-Jawad, there's a hadith here also. I had never seen it before. It's a nice hadith. It says, أَثِّقَةُ بِاللَّهِ تَعَالَى ثَمَنُونَ لِكُلِّ غَالٍ وَالسُلَّمٌ إِلَى كُلِّ عَالٍ That this is how, uh, how, how valuable uh, Allah, bring Allah into the equation is that relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the price or the Let's say, what's the, what's a good word for it? Thaman. Is the value of anything that has value. That means if you find value in anything, because it's because of relying on Allah. Something like that. And it is the latter to anything that is lofty and high. Thiqa billah. Relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of these uh, khulafa of Bani Abbas, one of them, I think his name was Al-Wathiq billah. Yeah, right. <laughs> If I, yeah, I think that's that, that that's what his name was, Al Wafiq Billah, or something like that. All right, what else do we have along these lines? Trying to, he's trying to destroy this whole idea of self confidence versus Allah confidence. Min aina li al khairu ya Rab. Where is this from? Wala ya illa min indik. Does anyone know which uh, du'a this is from? Where are we headed? Which month is coming? The month of Ramadan, Min Aina Li Al Khairu Ya Rab Dua Abu Hamza. Min Aina Li Al Khair Ya Rab, where is the khair when it comes to me? I can't find I can't bring khair for myself. Khair, I have no access to it. And the only place you can find khair is with you. Salvation, deliverance. Where can I find that? I have no access to it. وَلَا تُسْتَطَاعُ إِلَّا بِكْ It's only accomplishable through you. لَلَّذِي أَحْسَنَ اسْتَغْنَى عَنْ عَوْنِكَ The one who is wealthy, the one who is rich, is still in need of your help and aid and mercy. And the one who does wrong, the one who goes against you, sins and all of that, and does not keep you happy and satisfied, still is within the scope of your power and might. They haven't escaped your might by doing whatever wrong they have done. All right, finally, one more little discussion he brings up here, which I believe is important because it happens with those people who have that time of, in their life where they become a little too spiritual, you know, where they just go beyond tolerance. He says, and he like, I like what he does with the Farsi wording here. He says, Tawakkul is different than being kal upon people. Okay, so Tawakkul and kal. Kal in Farsi means burden and being burdensome. Just because, hey buddy, because you have tawakkul and you're just so close to God these days, all right, doesn't mean so, for example, if we're traveling, right, you're not going to bring provision for yourself and then everyone else has to take care of you. Because you're the one who's doing, you know, sometimes they come to you, they say, oh, can you do, the, um, uh, can you do this and that and this and that for me? You're like, no, but I can do dua for you. 
you know, that kind of thing. Um, although I'm not trying to undervalue that. Actually, that's not a good example. The example I want to give is this. Sometimes someone will do something big for me. And then what, I, what, I, what will I say in response to that person? Me or anyone else? They'll say, oh, you know, uh, to make it up to you, I'll do dua for you. No, you should also do something back for that person if you can. But yeah, some people, they feel like because they are so spiritual that others have to take care of them. And we have some harsh hadiths against this type of mentality. No, 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 no. Being spiritual has nothing to do with being a burden on others. Relying on Allah. We're going on a trip. Everyone brings their money. Everyone brings their provisions and food and snacks and all of that. But uh, my guy over here, he doesn't bring anything because Allah will take care of him. Through who? Through the rest of us probably. You know, this is not tawakkul. This is not tawakkul. He says this is being a kal upon the people. Yeah. But he does make this disclaimer an exception as well. He says, yes, there will be some who their provision is tawakkul. Not that they don't bring provision with them. Their provision is tawakkul. But please, people, let's not act like we're that person. Okay? Trust me, you will know when you're there. And usually we're not there. But there will be some people... I've seen one case like this, which I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting. I saw it once. Um, that's not a big story or anything for me to share, but it was interesting how I noticed that this individual, one of our teachers, yeah, he, he did something once and I was like, oh, okay, interesting, but I would never do that. <laughs> well, he's reached that point where he can do that. I'm not going to do that though. Yeah. And uh, so let's end with this hadith and one little thing from Ayatollah Bahauddinim. This is the story here when it's talking about how you're not worried about anything. You reach that point, then you're not worried about anything. And you know Allah is going to take care of you. It says that Imam al-Salaam he said that Qambar, the servant of Ali, loved Ali very much. And so one time Imam Ali al-Islam, he went out into the desert or wherever it was, out of the city somewhere maybe. Qambar followed him with his sword. And so, or Imam Ali would go out and Qambar would follow him. One of these nights Imam Ali sees him and says, what are you doing following me? He says, well... Um, you know, just making sure to uh, protect you, that kind of thing. And what does Imam Ali tell him? He says, Wayhaq, woe unto you. Who are you protecting me from? The inhabitants of the heavens or the inhabitants of earth? Which one are you protecting from? He says, the ones on the earth, the bad guys on earth, not the bad guys in the heavens. Okay. He says, okay, the those who are on earth, if that's the case, لا يستطيعون لي شيئاً إلا بإذن الله. Okay, they can only do something to me if they get if they have permission from the one who's up in the skies in the heavens, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So go back. So he's going, Imam Ali, or other stories of Imam Ali as well, he has here, where Imam Ali goes barehanded, you know, without anything, barehanded out, you know, into the desert, wherever, because he knows now's not the time for anything to happen, and Allah is going to take care of me. This is the exception. This is not the rule. So these people who might, you know, it's happened, I've seen it. When they travel, they get all spiritual. They need to uh, relax a little bit. Even the ones who reach that point, when they go out, they're going to make sure that they're not going to bother anyone and be burdensome to anyone. That's something to keep in mind. But yes, they will. some of them will reach that point where they will say, I have my Lord with me. He will take care of me. He will guide me to whatever He needs to guide me to. And finally, this little line from Ayatollah Bahauddini, um, I really like this one. One of our teachers said this once and it really stuck with me. 
till today. I think it's you, this is to be written with gold. And it kind of echoes what I was saying about if, you know, usually so most of us haven't reached these levels, so let's stop acting like it. Ayatollah Bahauddin is special. We don't have time to get into that. But our teacher said that once two people came to him and one of them says, like this one says, let me just take the camel example again. He tells Ayatollah Bahauddin, he tells us, he tells him, Ayatollah Bahauddin, this friend of mine says, don't tie your camel and have tawakkul. This, I tell him this is not tawakkul, this is stupidity. So what did I tell about? Didn't he say in response to him, this is beautiful, man. This is so beautiful. He said, well, for you it is stupidity. For him, it's tawakkul. <laughs> okay, this is beautiful. And it shows that relative nature of these things. Yes, some people will reach that point where they don't have to, they don't, they're not even worried about tying the camel, but this is not the rule. This is the exception. It's not applicable to the majority. And so for them, it is tawakkul. But the same act, if someone else does it who hasn't reached that point, it's all stupidity. And so we need to keep that in mind. So this is tawakkul, the discussion of it. There are some five or six or seven points that he also brings after this as a supplement to uh, this whole discussion. And that will leave for our next session, inshallah. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Any questions before we end? Okay, wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Salawat. Allahumma salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.